Hey, hey, soul fam, and woohoo, here we go, here we grow. This is your official welcome into season three of Ceremony Circle Podcast. Here we are together sitting with Sacred Grand Fire for yet another season of pure magic, healing, and transformation. And for anyone new to these voyages, I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And today you will be graced in this space by Ashel Seasons Eldridge. As you'll hear in today's journey, I met Ashel during a sacred ceremony and I knew right away I wanted to have him here as a guest. He's got an incredible background, receiving his master's in transpersonal psychology. He is the founder of Celestial Church, a sacred activist movement providing medicinal music, workshops, and ceremonies for healing the people and the earth. He is also the founder of Earth Amplified, both a roots, rap, and reggae band, and is a creative multimedia organization creating art that awakens. And in my opinion, Ashel is a master musician. I can't tell you how many instruments I witnessed him playing during the ceremony I shared space with him. He's toured with or opened up for Bass Nectar, Will I Am, Erica Badu, Damian Marley, Van Jones, Marianne Williamson, and others. And he currently plays with the Dogon lights, Earth Amplified, and the Celestial Church Band. And today you'll be incredibly fortunate and you will get a small taste of his musicianship in our closing ceremony circle today. He plays an instrument native to West Africa that's one of my favorites and transmits a special song for you to receive. Additionally, today you'll be incredibly fortunate to learn from Ashel as he generously and very openly shares of his personal spiritual and shamanic path, including how he came from a family that includes preachers, black panthers, and pimps, but he learned to follow his own calling, learning Sukyo Mahikari, a positive spiritual energy that is transmitted from the palm of the hand to the receiver. This energy has also been referred to as light or true light. He shares how all of that works along with galactic language. How did it show up in his life? How does he guide others in activating galactic language for themselves? What galactic language is and just everything around that. And the two main keys which allow him to create a safe space and be a trusted guide during plant medicine ceremonies. I also asked what is his favorite aspect of being in that type of sacred space? And if he could only bring four shamanic tools, if he was sent to a deserted island, what would those four tools be. He tells us here today and so much more. This is a rare one-of-a-kind gem of a Ceremony Circle episode, fam. So please create a sacred space and get ready for diving into galactic language transmission and fruits of devotion with Ashel Seasons Eldridge. All right, Ashel, I'm so, so honored to have you here on Ceremony Circle. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And as I was feeling into our time together, I thought, you know, this is so perfect because the last time I saw you, we were able to be in this really rich, divinity-infused ceremonial space and... I was sharing with you. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just resonating with you and your gifts and how you work and was just sharing that I hoped to spend more time with you. And I hope to be in a space where 
I could maybe learn some things from you and ask you some questions. And then I was like, well, hey, now that he's on Ceremony Circle, I'll use this as round two of my Ask Eshel questions, you know, and hopefully our voyage can lead us from here. But I wanted to start our conversation today, kind of taking us back to that beautiful ceremonial space that you were helping to facilitate and that I was participating in. And there was something that stood out to me that I wanted us to chat about. And it was when you were sharing, I think it was on the last day. And some of the things that were coming to you were like these reflections and visions and perhaps memories of all of these beautiful places and opportunities that you being on the spiritual path has led you. I think one of them was a concert, maybe at like an outdoor venue that had thousands of people. Do you remember this share that I'm talking about? Yeah. And so, yeah, I was really taken to this theme when I was tuning in. And I wanted to start with this theme of like fruits of devotion. You know, once you enter onto the devoted shamanic spiritual path, Because I know for myself, and I haven't been able to drop in with anyone on Ceremony Circle about this, and I felt like you were the perfect person, but I've been on the path long enough that now I'm at a place where I'm really seeing a lot of the bounty and the fruits of how I have been walking in devotion for so long. And so I just wanted to hear from you what's coming up for you as you hear me ask about this and the theme of fruits of devotion. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, actually, I'm reflecting on something last week. I just got back from Asuki Marikari training in SoCal, Santa Maria, California. And it's another sort of practice I participate in. And it's auxiliary practice to different practices. And what's cool about it is that you see results. So I think a lot of times is the difference on, you know, what practices or what the efficacy of one's path is a result that you find either in health, you know, sort of wellness in that way, or just harmony in relationships, or even like sort of prosperity or, or life condition, you know? So within that practice, for example, there's a lot of work around sort of karma cleansing and purification in the spiritual body. And then, so that's something when I, when I reflect on growing up in Chicago, and, you know, 10 U.S. 14th Street down from Jewtown in, in Chi-Town and his journey from there to University of Rochester to New York and then coming out to California and then all the different, you know, Grandmaster Etienne and the sort of the Dagora divination work and the, the purification and untangling of ancestral work with there and just the different spiritual leaders and spiritual guys along the way. I'm brought to like certain principles actually aid and assist. So one thing I've discovered is like this thing around gratitude and then gratitude for like the things when they go well and things when they don't, you know, so that I gratitude and that links me to Vipassana, right? Because Vipassana has been a powerful journey too, because in Vipassana, we learned that suffering or even the karma of ansankaras get created or enabled when we either resist or when we reach out and we reach for something in craving, right? So we don't want to feel something, so we resist it. Or then we want something so much that we like, we reach out of our center for it. And those actually are some of the aspects of a person when you're just noticing and being with. 
So long story short, I've been finding like these different traditions that I've, that I've been on and actually distilling like a lot of different principles from them. Let me to this point when I look back, I'm like, wow, like there's been a lot of clearing that has happened. And obviously the medicine work and the ceremony work, that's a really big one too, for just like release and allowing for new energies to come in. Yeah. So let's keep in this portal of conversation because so much was entering in and and what you were sharing. And I just feel like it's such a, a rich, important one for us to to share about for some reason. So for those joining us, and let's say there's, you know, a number of folks that are newer to the spiritual, mystical, shamanic path, because, you know, for me, it's forever fascinating. And I love that part about it, just being a forever student and always in awe of all the ways the medicines and teachings present. But what's intriguing when you enter onto the spiritual path and you start to learn how to connect into the unseen realms and the unseen worlds, you start to obviously get into greater unification with the intangible. And so what can start to happen is you maybe start devoting to certain rituals and practices, but the way the benefits and the positive outcomes start to come back to you, it's different than in the earthly waking world. And so, you know, I guess I'm just curious for you, we're going to get into the different lineages and different practices that you have really walked in a lot of devotion to. But can you get into a few more specifics, especially about the one I can't pronounce that you just got another certification in? Okay. You know, can you just start to paint the picture a little bit for people if they're newer to the path, like how some of those dynamics work? Because like I know for me, when I do kundalini yoga, that's a very activating practice where I see the energetics come back to me quickly, whereas other practices and rituals, it's more in the subtle realms. So if you could just give some examples of how this kind of fruits of devotion and coming back to you energy plays out in your world. Yeah, you know, it's really fascinating. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, the Sukyo Mahikari. Yeah, that. <laughs> which is um, Universal Principles of Divine Light. It's really alive for me because I just did the intermediate course for that. Got introduced to that in like 2005, 2006. And where does that come from? It's a Japanese. It's sort of like in a realm of like sort of, they put it in, in terms of new religions, but really it's a spiritual Spirit First organization that does community service work, all different kinds of things. But Japan is really its origin in that way. Essentially, what it is, is like, how do you create a society where there's happiness and harmony was a question that was asked. And through different revelations, people were allowed to offer the art of true light. So I have a sacred Omitama necklace. You go through this initiation process. But just in receiving the light, you are able to purify your spiritual body in the lineage of like a Jesus or a Buddha or just different historically known religious practices, religious organizations. They sort of allows just everyday people to actually offer this, this light. And I know some of these practices and ways, maybe there's some things that need to be kept, you know, private and sacred. So just obviously sharing in the way that you want to, but in this way specifically, can you give an example, like a way that the initiation works? Like, are you going to a certain location? Is there an elder that, you know, is working with you? 
Yeah. So with Suki Marikari, it's like, so it's a crazy thing. Is I moved, so I was in, I went to University of Rochester in upstate New York, moved to Brooklyn for a little bit, made some music. And then I was like, okay, I want to do consciousness studies in California. So, and I didn't want to work with my, my uncle in Jersey doing carpet removal. So I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. Got into CIS, Center, uh, the, the California Institute of Integral Studies, but then noted that Institute of Transpersonal Psychology was going to accept me sooner. The irony of it is that I moved down the street from this dojo, a spiritual training center called Suki Marikari, this long, you know, gray dreadlock man, elder, came up with a staff that he turned into a flute and was like, have you tried the, the light yet? <laughs> down the street from the dojo. And I was like, the dojo? And I was like, oh yeah, that's the spot I walked by that I was going to walk in. And they're like, oh, you already know about it. Usually these things are already, they're only orchestrated by by ancestors because they don't do any advertising. So it's all what they call divine arrangements. So anyways, I walk in and I'm down the street. So I walk every day and I realize there are shifts. So I immediately feeling results. Immediately when I come in, I'm feeling like I'm feeling clearer, lighter. And at certain points on the body that transfer over to the spiritual body. So they have a map of a spirit first, mind, body, mind, second, then body. And then so whenever somebody has physical issues, illnesses, even just in the third dimension, like issues with family, other issues, there's usually a spiritual dimension. That's the incarnation of that. That's the root of that. And a lot of also like things that we call hereditary diseases or even just like family situations or ancestral issues exist in the spiritual realm first. So this practice purifies the spiritual realm. Mm. And then people get physical healing or they get life changes. They don't necessarily say that this is a healing modality so much as a spiritual purification modality, probably because of legalities and things like this, but also just to be clear what it is. So you come in, they don't explain any of this when you come in. It's more you just have the experience and then you, you receive light for here for 10 minutes. They call it the main soul, the different points on the back of your head and then the different points in your, your kidneys. And then you receive light there and it melts these spiritual toxins. They call it spiritual toxins or karmic toxins. And then you just get into it like a more present state. You feel more clear and light. And then you're like, okay, cool. But then what happens is they tell you like to check for different changes the day after or two days after. So you may have experience like, okay, that's fine, whatever. I feel more relaxed. But then what they, how they explain is that something that might've been like a three car mashup, you know, accident turns into a fender bender. So you start to get a picture of like the spiritual, your soul and like the debris over your soul from accumulation, from lifetimes, from just being in the environment, whatever, right? Your experience this lifetime and how it actually melts that element that allows you to go through life having a mitigation of the worst impacts yeah. of a negative karmic situation. So you can go through the initiation is really just after you receive a certain amount of light, you comply to receive your Omitama, which is a precious necklace that's charged in Japan in the center where they have divine light just infused into this. So next we have a spiritual core connection straight to creator. Yeah. I think that's what's what they're allowing. They're saying that, you know, now we're in a time of fire. And this is a lot of details, but it's in now we're in a line that they don't necessarily talk about, but now because we're in a sort of like the back to the fire age, the age of fire, the age of purification. They call it the baptism by fire, even mm. like that we're at the height of right now. We also are given this opportunity to purify ourselves and purify others so that we can mitigate the worst impacts of this transition into the age of light. 
So especially beyond the philosophy of it, I just had the experience of like, okay, wow, I'm actually, I feel just happier and more present and lighter. And I have such a bliss when I'm able to like, just have this energy come through me and actually shift my gaze to assisting others and assisting environments and giving light to different situations. And then I noticed, you know, obviously, you know, from spiritual practice, when, you, when we change, our relationships change, everything starts to look different. The world starts to transform in front of us. So that's my journey with Suki Marikari. Wow. I love that. I just got a couple more questions just because I definitely not covered this at all. And it was on my list. I was like in bold, we definitely want to dive into this. So when you are receiving light, and also when once you become initiated and you know how to give light, is it like through a certain technique of like lifting your hands up? Like when you were receiving light, was somebody coming to your kidneys and placing the light in? Right. So when essentially when you go to a dojo and there's centers all around the world, Senegal, Japan, Brazil is really big, all over the United States. I mean, so you come in and essentially you're sitting in front of someone and then you just get in prayer position, you pray in and then they give light to your, they call the main soul for 10 minutes. So your like eyes the third are eye area. Exactly. I can do that chant later for everyone. Okay. And it's a purifying chant, even in itself. They call it the Kotodama, the word sound power, right? So the Kotodama is just like these particular invocation of deities, intephysmal particles. It's a very powerful prayer in Japanese that purifies just by saying that the chant. But then when you receive, you're sort of just sitting and receiving. The interesting thing about it is that they were saying that 70% of the experience comes from the receiver. 30% comes from the giver, whether or not the person's in a space of receptive gratitude, mm. that opens up more of the light and the purification. So there's a lot of principles of universal principles come out through just the practice and the art of true light. So then you do that, you do that 10 minutes, you open your eyes, they do a clearing, and then we do the back of the head, which corresponds to vision, metaphorical vision, and also to you know, to actual vision. And then also what they say that sometimes attached spirits happen on the back of the neck. So sometimes that clears that. So in the whole practice, it's like, there's an awareness that 80% or 70% of our existence, which also goes back to Carl Jung, it, it connects with a lot of different traditions and backgrounds, is more in the intangible, as you say, that's in more in the invisible realms and that actually our mind-body is more like 20, 30% of our reality. And then so when we work spirit first and go to the head of the stream, then everything in the bottom of the stream is therefore going to purify as well and organize itself to a higher harmony, a higher frequency. So that's the general principle of it. And then you need to lay you down into your kidneys. It's usually like this much, you know, a foot or so away from your body. So they touch it. It's also most, the whole practice is sort of off of the body. It may touch the points to feel for warmth or some type of hardness to know where to direct the light. But really, you know, it's all for the body. And then so, you know, many times, I mean, there's so many stories of, you know, that I could share and then I've heard from others that just changing their even lot in life where just consistently receiving light and doing these practices in a really, you know, sort of focused way that we get. When we giving the light, it's a really powerful thing to give, to receive. But then giving the light, it's sort of like this emptiness space, this non-dual Advaita space where you're focused, but you're not really, there's no real ego involved where you're like, I'm going to change this person and I got to get 
this person better. Like it's sort of just allowing the light to come through. You do the prayer and then boom, energy comes through and it, it never fails. It's really powerful. So it's really a blessing to be able to give without all the training that we would have to have previously years and years of training to perfect this and perfect our own vessel and our own, you know, hollow bone to be able to get the opportunity just to get, you know, get the grace to receive the necklace and just be able to raise a hand and experience really miracles. Wow. It's uh, definitely inspiring me to see if anywhere in the Austin area, do you know if there's one around here? Yeah, because when I was in Austin, I went to, that was a cafe. It's a really famous cafe and they, they offer stuff on Wednesdays or Sundays or something. Some like some cafe in Austin. Okay. You know, I'll the, check the it out. Has the outdoor patios and the, it has the cacao. Does it have cacao in there or no? It's like a vegetarian restaurant. I think I know what you're talking about. So they have the offerings there. Yes, they have the offerings there and they have a Houston office, but I could definitely share that information with you and the sukiamanikari.org to have like the office listed. And the really thing is, it's like I receive life from Buddhists, from Catholic priests. So what's interesting about this one is that it's non-denominational. It's not like you have to believe in something per se, like you just sort of experience it. And then you have your own unique experience because we have our own unique experience with creator, with creation. And then so... I've been really excited about it but recent because I went through my second course and it just, the deeper teachings of just being there and receiving the light when they open up the Gashintai, the shrine, has given me so many downloads and how to connect these dots between, you know, the ancestral medicines, the plant medicines, the divination work, all the different spiritual practices that I, I practice and how to connect the dots between like what, how's the altar and the, and the, and the science and technology of prayer work with element of opening up the gratitude field to manifest things and change destinies. It's a lot we can go in talking about that. But like I've been really into Sandra Ingerman's work recently, for example, which has to do a lot with soul retrieval. So I'm really interested in all issues with the soul. Like the ayahuasca, for example, they call it the vine of the soul, right? So I'm looking to write a lot right now. So you really connect these dots for myself and others, because I think it'd be revelatory for me anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. There's that part in you. I feel like I just got a flash of, you know, because I know you've got your master's. And when I was doing a little bit of research and on your website, you know, you've done a lot of really in-depth studies, especially around shamanism. So I like that I just saw a glimmer of that student and that part of you that loves to be educated. And so in staying in you know, these examples, let's see, with the ceremony that we shared space in, I already said this to you, but I'll just say it for the soul fam joining us as well. It was so amazing just being witness to you, to Ashel as he was, I mean, just wearing so many hats and doing so many things, you know, hearing you sing and watching you play all these instruments and watching you going around and just holding space and doing clearings. I don't know, you were definitely one of the highlights of of my weekend, just watching you and, and watching how you work. And, you know, it's a pretty unique role, I feel, to be in a position where you can be on the support team and and helping to facilitate ceremonies of that magnitude. What for you either, you know, stands out in terms of when you're in that environment, 
what is a favorite aspect of that for you? Is it being of service for others or, or, you know, maybe working with different medicines and allowing new songs to come through? What do you really enjoy about that space? Yeah, that's a great question because what I enjoy is, is actually not being there in a way. Like, so it's like being there, but not being there, like allowing for something like the intelligence to come through. From the outside, it may seem like so many things are happening or, or I'm moving around doing different things, but ultimately I'm doing one thing. I'm like, and I'm listening and I'm being present. And that's what's beautiful because it's a practice. And reminds me of us of our divinity when we allow like that energy to come in and just being present and seeing how that is way more effective than me trying to figure out how to do something. It's so beautiful, right? And I'm it's taking so, note right now. I'm writing listening and being present. <laughs> you know, so many teachings to share this, right? Like just how do you, you know, meditative practices, breath work, yoga. It's all about yoking mind, body. Like how we, and bringing us to a greater presence, awareness. And then so that's what's beautiful for me. And then seeing people really also just humble, right? Because one, because you're getting downloads around like how like, oh, how to like fine tune my existence in my life and my activity in general, but, you know, in things with music and how to, Oh, you need, you can go this level now, or you can, you know, perform like this, or you need to practice this more. So getting all those instructions and homework, which always comes, which is always very humbling, but then also humbled by the soul, right? The, the journey of a soul, the quest for transformation is nothing more beautiful than that really. Right. I Especially agree. in a world where, it's like there's so many things to debate about and so many things to be polarized about or to look at someone who's alive here in this, this realm right now in this time and be judgmental about, you know, the choices they make. And then see someone like, you know what, like, I'm going to let all that go, all of that identity and just see, wow, everyone is really on this journey. Like everyone wants, you know, happy happiness. And everyone really wants a happy family and they want to do the best they can in their life. And then to see people come courageously to sit in a, in a really like sometimes dark spaces, really to look at some elements of themselves to see how they've maybe negatively impacted their family member or how they could show up differently in their workplace or things that they need to transform with their health, daily habits, whatever that is, knowing how difficult it is to really change, right? Like change is not necessary. That's why there's so many self-help books and all this work because it's not necessarily like, People work up like every day and like, oh, I'm going to change that. And they just change it and they change their life. Otherwise, we all be doing it. Be... So when someone has the courage and this level of like, okay, I'm going to come here. I'm going to spend this time out of my normal routine or whatever the case it is. And I'm going to look at the mirror and I look at deep aspects of my soul, my family. And I'm going to be the one to say, hey, like, I want to release this. I want to change this. Or I want to pray for something different to happen. Or it's really nothing more beautiful than that. That level, in terms of devotion, you know, the biggest shifts I've experienced in the jungle, for example, was when I sat down and stopped resisting and just put my head down to the ground. And I said, you know, and I just did a whole point I just like, I'm sorry. Thank you for my life. I hope I'm doing the best I can. I hope to do better with my life. And that's just really humble. Unity is so powerful. It's some of the most, you know, and it's sort of almost idiosynchronistic, right? Like human, hum, humble in power. But when we humble, like all the things of our identity that we think this is who we are and I'm just this way. And then we get to a point where 
like actually I can be when we let that go, then we can be all of this by being absolutely nothing, just supplicating ourselves through our life and laying our, our life down. Like, hey, show me, like I'm open and available to be something, to do something different, to be in service to something greater. And then grace steps in and rearranges everything. And then I see when I see that with people, definitely in these ceremonial spaces, and they get to this place where they get to these hard moments and they, they use that hard moments for beauty. You know, they turn that that muck and mire into that beautiful lotus flower and they allow that sunshine to radiate and to come in. It's nothing more beautiful. So that's what really turns me on about that. Ah, that was really beautiful scene that you just painted for everyone. Thank you. And I agree. Yeah, like being in those spaces and also, you know, of course, as everyone's immersed in the energetics and the songs and the medicines, but the integration circles and the sharing circles and being able to be witness to where people let themselves go and places that they let themselves feel oftentimes for the very first time. Those are my favorite aspects of it as well. And I wanted to share with you, I think you'll be somewhat excited. I spoke a little bit more to Natalie about this piece, but being the master musician you are, although I don't know if you call yourself that, but I would view you as that. But I started to play guitar ever since the ceremony. Oh, cool. Yay! (laughs) And I'm having so much fun. Like I... There's a familiarity there. You know, I've literally never picked up a guitar. That was one of the main instructions of grandmother that weekend was it took me straight to the guitar. And and it was a little surprising. You know, I have all sorts of instruments, but for some reason up until now, I had not been feeling a pull to guitar. And she landed me there a number of times. And I was like, okay, I hear you. And ever since I exited out of that ceremonial space, I found a beautiful guitar teacher who's a friend, who's a medicine woman, and I meet with her every week and I'm having so much fun. I love it. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Your guitar is really good for like finding your voice, like, because you have to sound it out and you eventually your ears sort of adjust to like, oh, this is actually the note. Yes. So be on in tune. And then really instrument making, I have an 11 year old and I was telling my son, I was like, yo, it, really, you start to play yourself. It's such a good discipline. Yeah, I'm already noticing. I picked up literally in the first week that my voice instantaneously got better, you know, and I certainly don't proclaim to have like some astounding voice, but I allow myself to be the vessel and I sing in circles. (laughs) And yet, you know, as soon as I started to play, I was like, oh, my voice improved. So yeah, I was excited to share that with you. So another thing I want to get into, and I learned this in watching one of the videos on your website, and I I was really intrigued. So you come from a family background that has preachers, pimps, <laughs> panthers. I was yeah. like, okay, this is a, a cornucopia of essences that Ashel comes from. And so, yeah, I wanted you to be able to touch on a lot of what we do in Ceremony Circle is medicine through storytelling. And I was curious with having, you know, ancestors that come from these different areas of life. Was there ever a point, because I knew you grew up in Chicago too. Was there a time where you saw your life going into very different categories to the path that you walk now. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up like, so again, my father is a really deep into the church, Baptist church. 
And then my grandfather was a, I remember seeing him, you know, preaching on a podium in, in church in Southside Chicago. So I have that relationship with like, with Jesus Christus, with Jesus in that way. And also with the Holy Spirit, like music being sanctified and actually moving energy and seeing people in trance, right? Which is actually something that sort of crossed over from a lot of like African traditions that sort of brought into the Baptist church, which is a really powerful way to hold community through in the United States, through slavery, et cetera, right? Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering why is this animal showing up so much for me, just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full page color illustration of of each animal to learn its wisdom teachings and meanings so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An animal power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both animal power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website. And when you visit there, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. You'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that I personally guide where you can meet your current power animal. I appreciate your support so much. And now back to today's show. That was a really informative shaping experience in terms of like spirituality and understanding like ideas of like God and creator and like spirit as it relates to the physical body. And then so the simultaneous, he also remember, you know, growing up poor and growing up in a situation where there was a lot of gang violence and gang situations around my house. I was usually bussed out to the Beasley Academic Center and bussed out to these schools that were outside the community because they were like, oh, you're a smart one. You're a creative one. Though eventually I didn't go the route that my family sort of wanted me to do. It was like, oh, you can be a doctor, engineer. It really, I really was raised with academics being like a way out, right? Like, and, and also God being a way out, like, you know, getting deep into these spirituality, religion, and education. Those were pillars because it wasn't necessarily reflected in, in my community, my neighborhood as much. And I also remember going to, you know, see my uncles in different, you know, facilities. I remember, you know, visiting different people in prisons and in the projects and so, you know, so I had these experiences of like, wow, my, my family has some hardships and things that are, and also some illnesses. Like my grandmother passed away from diabetes. She had to get a leg, leg amputated. And I remember looking at the family reunion, looking at the food choices, and that really sort of informed me like, wow, like actually, is it the food that we're eating such that I went, when I went to college, I started to eat differently. So I think a lot of things I just witnessed and then when I left the house, I also had to sort of leave. I was reading The Alchemist again recently, and it was sort of reminding me of this like sort of journey away, you know, in order to actually purify these deep levels and have some space in order to come back and actually do some deeper work from a, a certain place of, of clarity and healed space. But I also remember like 
pops really got me into these programs, education programs, engineering, et cetera. But also remember like there's, you know, there was a bit of like some tough moments there with, with police and all these things that were happening. So that's what I mentioned. Panthers, pimps, because that's, that's essentially what was my family. My aunt was part of the Black Panther Party, and I still talk to her today. You know, she was part with Fred Hampton, which informed some of my nonprofit activity, essential food and medicine, which is Black Panthers are really big into education and also direct service. So, which is really powerful for me because that links into the spirituality aspects that I got into later with Ama, for example, who really talked about seva as a way to change, to purify and to change one's life and to get clear, clear karma, actually. So at some point, looking at my situation, I was like, yo, like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and I just said I had just from the trauma of just like, you know, just intense, you know, a lot of some physical abuse, sexual abuse, these type of things. And I was just like, what, how did I land? And maybe some people, your listeners can relate. You're like, how did I land in this situation? <laughs> and then leaving and then getting more clarity as I, you know, did more studies with the University of Rochester, double major in music management and psychology and minor in creative writing. And then went to Institute of Transpersonal Psychology when I met like some of the maestros that I work with. And that sort of exploded open more tea and gong, more esoteric spiritual practices. But I think the condition actually informed it. Like this idea of like, there has to be something, you know, 16, 17, and then being in the house with my pops, who is just like really intense at the time. And I'm just, oh my God, I'm in jail. Like I'm in prison here, in prison in this situation. And then just praying for like, there has to be like something else. And then literally, you know, getting out of that situation and then transforming my like resentment for family and doing breath work, college off breath work, all these different practices. And then getting to a place where actually I see they were doing the best they can, releasing that from the body. And then now having a great relationship with family members. So yeah, it's just a journey we go down, right? Yeah, that's so good. So speaking of some of your educational pursuits, and I might have some of this wrong. I think I pulled it from your website, but I might have typed it in incorrectly. So correct me if I say something wrong, but you have masters and in, in some sort of shamanic studies, right? Didn't you study or like the, yeah. the roots of religion and shamanism or something? Yeah, transpersonal psychology. So I focus on sort of shamanism. Yeah, with that. And sound healing, vibrational yes. medicine, yeah. Exactly. And so I personally wanted to know, where did you start to get called into in terms of like the shamanic ways and some of the different lineages and maestros that you've sat with and learned from? Where was the first pull? Was there a certain lineage? Yeah, I think ultimately, when I look back, it's like the shamanic practices started before sitting with the maestro, but I just didn't know they were like included in that package. So, but I think all of it started starting at the same time. I mean, so when I was at University of Rochester, I did this, this course, it was an elective and it was contact improv and it was therapeutic touch. We had every week, there was only like 10 of us or less in this class. And every week this teacher brought in a different practitioner, Feldenkrais practitioner, someone who did Reiki, all these things. And I think even though I was in college and was partying, I was learning all the things that really opened me up to like, whoa, like I can feel my org body now. Like mm-hmm. I can feel other people's in it. So it got me a little sensitivity. Then I found meditation. I was like, oh, it grounded me in this way. And I can like 
these sort of practices opened up then. So I was like sort of aware of like the multidimensional self in that way when I was in undergrad, just through this course so auspiciously ran into. But then all of our class, when I went to IC Institute of Transpersonal Psychology, some reason I think I was, and a lot of times also, I think when we go down this path, I think a lot of times it's like, we think we're finding things new, but we're also remembering things. And I'm really more convinced of this we want to do more work that deals with soul and DNA and past life and things of this nature, because you start to get, actually, it's really just a memory and we've covered it up and how do we like clear and open it up and integrate it in a way that's a beautiful presentation and expression in this life. So when our class said, oh, for the first time, we're going to all sit as a class with, you know, it's my show from Peru. I was like, okay, cool. I've been hearing about this. This is like 2005. I've been hearing about like Peruvians and medicine and, you know, shamanic path. And then the first time I sat, what was shown was that my ego was literally causing boils in the backs of people in China. And it was like this butterfly effect of like, you are powerful. And guess what? You're powerful in so many ways such that your, your mind is in the way you think, who you think you are, is actually impacting people all the way around the globe. Wow. So I was just like, what? I was like, yeah, you're doing that. So I was like, oh, so it was powerful, but also it was very humbling. And then so I was like, wow, this is, what is this? So I kept down that that road and then, you know, had some almost extraterrestrial experiences, like, you know, traveling to different dimensions, traveling, and then had a moment where it was like, these brothers and sisters from the Pleiades picked me up. And they were like, this is in ceremony. And I was like, whoa. And then, yeah, we're going to travel through these purple pyramids together. This is your home. We are your brothers and your sisters. And you're in the Pleiades. You know, like I'm talking to you now. And these sort of undeniable experiences that sort of shift, like you thinking you're this. And your experience of yourself changes to the fact you now you're this and you're going this direction. So then I had experience in the same way where it was like I had a, a being in front of me that was said this was you from like a previous time period. And it was this Taoist master monk and he was spiraling energy from his chakras to my chakras. Again, this memory. And then, so these are sort of moments where you just like, they, and they lead to more moments like that. Yeah. And you open up and you find more different traditions. And I found Tian Gong, which is a universal practice. It was all about spiritual soul cleansing and galactic language activation in all of this work. And then that led me to Sukhumarikari. It's just a weaving and you're just saying yes, saying yes to it and just trusting oneself and being on that journey. But eventually like, and then from there I went to South Dakota and studied the Lakota. Okay. And then that opened up the Humblecha, I did my vision quest and then I learned some really beautiful things with them. And then I ended up going down to South America and doing theaters and then that's when I learned more shamanic practice directly. And I'm like, okay, wow. At this point now, which is why I think this book is coming, I'm seeing like these are the threads that connect because when there's the ultimate thing, what I started to learn was that as multidimensional beings, there's this level of communication, there's this capacity to communicate. And then objects, other beings, other dimensional spaces that actually are, whether or not we believe it or not, are actually influencing our lives. So developing this level of communication is the role of like shaman or medicine person in a lot of ways. A lot of times that's what's happening. They're communicating with our ancestors, communicating with the land itself, communicating with higher wisdom beings and being this sort of intercept. I think these are the roots of religion, right? Yeah. Somehow we 
closeted and now the power dynamics got shifted. So now we have this person we ordain as an intermediate and we bring it to this person. But now I think what's shifting is that we can all have this experience and we can have this communication. We just want to open up that, facilitate that, that awareness within us. So, so I think that's what's beautiful about this time. Yes. Totally agree. It's so exciting and beautiful to watch like people. Again, I've been on this path long enough that I've witnessed a number of folks who maybe five, 10 years ago were super closed off to any of the kind of things that you and I are chatting about. And now they're like all about it and corralling other people that might uh, resonate to go with them. And so there's definitely a huge opening within so many people's souls of this remembrance. And you touched upon the galactic light language. And that was definitely another thing on my list. I know it's a big category, but what can you share with people? Because this is something that I haven't covered yet on ceremony circles. So it'd be new information in terms of what it is and how did these downloads and activations happen? Yeah. And one thing to say before I get into it is like the courage, just like it requires a lot of courage and just openness to really like, you know, continue to say yes to all these things because it takes some courage because then you're going to get society, you're going to get your mind, all these things are going to be like, wait a minute, like, you know, shifting things. In terms of galactic language activation, so Grandmaster Li Tian and Li Ping, they would come to the States and they would do, the first what they would say is just like different practices, gateway practices. So we would do this practice called Bronze Bell, which is like a Taoist Qigong practice. And what they would say is that physical movement practices are for purifying the physical body, movement practices, stillness practices, like different practices we would do, stillness practices would be for the soul and the spirit and to expand the soul. So we would do retreats in Shasta and they would do retreats in sacred places all around the world, Machu Picchu, and they had a really galactic element to it. We would do things called Bigubi water, which is like without food, without water. And, it's, and then it got into some real esoteric stuff. So at first it was more just like, you know, we learned this Qigong practice, but then as I kept going deeper down to it, they were preparing people's light bodies to do breatharian work, really be ambassadors to help Earth and help humanity. I guess just like salvation, offering salvation, I guess the word is this transformation in that way. So it became really deep. So at one point, I'm in Shasta's retreat with them, and he started doing, open up this galactic language activations. And Tian Gong is also a satellite. It's a celestial satellite. So different traditions they have in the celestial realms, there's energy bodies that practitioners can relate to that have been placed and set up like realms even for certain spiritual training or certain in communication with different beings or transmissions to happen. Just to say lightly, it means a lot to say about that. But so... He was doing this galactic language activation when he was doing soul retrieval work and he was doing soul purification work on us because the same, similarly to Sukhumati Kadi and other traditions, people would come with just like, hey, I have like a backache I've been dealing with forever. I have these allergies or whatever. So it's sort of like the the enrollment process in some way because sometimes people just get, they have like these issues and then they get them changed and then they're like, whoa, what was that? How did you change that? And then they're like, well, you want to know what's happening? Is like, I'm actually dealing with a deeper level. I'm going to your soul instead of doing physical with physical or even mind with physical. I'm going to the spiritual aspect. So 
we did celestial language or galactic language activation workshops and he gave me the empowerment to offer it. So I do the activations now too for other people. And really what it entails is this process of, it's more like what I do when I do the activations, I have people go into the deepest aspects of their heart or their soul through drumming and really more like a meditation and and trance space. And we go deep into that. And then from there, we sound out the very clear, what is this, ask the question, what does the soul sound like? What is the voice of the soul? What is it sounding like before the language that you're speaking this lifetime, this time period? What does it sound like? So we just work in that space and then we get to a place where it sounds like Yiddish or something or just like whatever. And then you're like, okay, don't judge that, but let's continue to do that. So when we actually go to that deep space inside and communicate from there and we do it consistently, and then we were doing it in groups such that eventually we could like understand people. You don't just listen to your ears, you're listening from... All this is you're hearing and listening. And this is the results back to the shamanic practice, right? Because you're listening from different aspects of yourself and communicating from different aspects of yourself. So then that just opened up. And then we, from there, we could do soul cleansing. So when I'm in soul cleansing, I'm just communicating in this place of like this pure communication intelligence with inside of me that you can speak to plants, you can speak to animals, anything with little children. You can speak to these things. And this is sort of, as they describe in Tian Gong, they describe it as something that with a language that we've lost, almost like a Tower of Bible aspect or something. Like we've lost this level of communication. The electromagnetic frequency of the earth was different 8,000 years ago. Humanity has actually went through a falling point, like a Kali Yuga place. And now we're trying to up level and go back into a new mobility and a new regality of divinity of humanization of humanity and then so the way we do that it was we purify our soul so that's what the soul cleansing practice is and use galactic language to go through that and what people find is that sometimes it's hard to articulate things in, in english or like you know our birth language and, it, and sometimes the language sounds like a song so we use the language to we had a one ceremony we did where and Tian Gong says this, they said that a lot of the, we do a lot of yang sustainability, like recycling, et cetera. But what about yin sustainability, cleaning up the energetics? They say that a lot of times there is, you know, spirits or souls that haven't transpired over to, or found their way to another realm. So they're causing spiritual disturbances in this realm, accidents, et cetera, attaching themselves to individuals, not knowing, not really, really clear that they're doing that. And then, so a lot of traditions say that too. Like, you know, you talk about the Ifa or even in the Ruben traditions or just even like a lot of like sort of divination practices, the work with ancestors, they actually have practices to help spirits move on and transpire. So in Tian Gong, it was the same way. So there's a lot of that communication. And so that's what the galactic language activation, what you can do with the galactic language, you can do healing work. We did workshops where we like did healing work on people, do sound and did sound in language, focus at different organs, things like this. So we use it in that way. And it's galactic in a sense that it's like we communicate with different beings across the universe as well, which is another conversation, like how that, that interplays. But just to say it is a innate ancient future language that's inside of us. 
Yeah. I mean, the, one of the many senses that I get in hearing you share about it, you know, I got this vision of as you're speaking from the galactic language and then another person in the room is hearing you and then speaking back. It's like you two are communicating more from like, yeah, the heart soul space. So it's not like your minds are understanding what each other are saying. It's these other aspects, these deeper aspects of you that understand what's being spoken and what's being shared. It's so amazing. This thing called Plants and Chant. It's in Oregon every year. And it's a very small, like sort of work festival. They have different speakers who talk, who deal with plant medicines, things like this. And I remember doing this workshop and people were laughing and crying and all of these things. And then I brought somebody in the circle in the end. We did like a healing on them is a group. And I remember asking people after they share, like person A who has the longest hair speaks first, shortest hair speaks second, all that. And they would communicate. And then what would happen is that people, I would ask them, what did this person say? And then almost every time when we open up that field, that unified field, because telepathy and all this is about like unified unification, right? Unifying the field, the gratitude field, all of that is like unifying the field. So intention and manifestation mesh more ease. And then so people would share like, oh, I was saying how this person is beautiful and I really like this person's you know, shirt, all these things. And then the other person would share like, what did you hear? Like, wow, I was hearing that this person was really like appreciating me and like really liked something else. Like, so it was amazing how when that field opens up, because a lot of time it's all about the field first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing I learned from shamanic practice is like, we don't, you know, set and setting is really important for that space. And simultaneously, when we work with different practices, it's sure it may be about because you can work with medicines or without quote unquote medicines and do shamanic practice. And a lot of times it has to do with what field that we open up, which allies that we invite, and then what is our clear intention? So what elements are we working with here? So very similarly, when that field opens up, and there's a unified field and people feel that heart resonance and they're communicating. You can understand people very clearly when they're speaking something that's not necessarily a native tongue. And we notice when being, when you travel in different countries and things like this, and you're just excited and you, we've all been in a different country and when you saw somebody or something we are attracted, like, oh, I just love this person. And then you don't speak the language and it's different. You know, we have so many different ways to communicate, but I think communication is the antidote to war. You know, and communication is the antidote to so many ills having our body communicate with itself better even is helps illness creates harmony. So communication is the name of the game. Yeah. Wow. So good. That also resonates deeply. See, I told you, I was like, I knew, I was like, I know you've got something I'm supposed to learn. I'm supposed to learn something from you. And already both the Sukyo Maki, Mahikari. Yes, that and you know, this galactic language activation, both instantly are like, lean in, lean in, do this. Because yeah, for a very long time, starting a couple of years ago, I just remember I got to a place where I'm like, I'm tired of speaking words. Like, I'm tired of talking in this language. Like, I just even typing, even you know, yeah, even written and spoken. I'm like, I just want to talk to people telepathically. I just want to open up these different forms of speaking. I'm tired of talking like this, you know? 
So we're going to do the rest of the podcast just in silence until it's <laughs> I've honestly like wanted to do that and thought about that. I mean, you know, maybe some other time I can have you on and we can just for real try that and just... We can just sit here and just... And then we can take notes and be like, wow, you communicated a lot. You know, what's funny is that there was this woman... I remember doing this, this workshop. I was in Costa Rica or something. And this woman was... He did a workshop and then... Galactic language activation. And this woman was like, I really want to work on my singing voice. Like, I really want to sing. And she's like, I have issues speaking my truth sometimes. So another thing about it, it opens up your throat a lot too, because it gives you a level of freedom when you don't. Cause she was like, Yeah, I always thought singing, I had to learn these words, you know, self-aware in front of groups when I was trying to learn these specific words and singing at the right note and all this. It just freed her up. She was crying, bawling, just being able to just open up her throat and just sing. The words too, it just allows more freedom. That geometry, specific geometry of that, that particular language, just allows more freedom. It's so beautiful, the galactic language. Like this woman I just did, I just have to say this really quickly. I was in LA recently doing a workshop with someone and this woman was sharing, like she shared like, wow, when she was younger, she was speaking in a different language and she didn't know what it was. And her family was like, what is this language? Eventually somebody was like, you're speaking Maori. And she's not, she's like, you know, African-American mix or something. And then so the Maori elders was like, oh, you can come and learn with us because you're saying this, this, and this, and that. And, like, and it was very clear what she was saying. And then so another thing about the galactic language activation is that it brings up these past life and these soul memories and allows them to be more present and now. Because that's exactly what got activated. It was like she was able to feel more free to speak that language and she can access more of that energy information, that wisdom from that lifetime. Wow, so good. And so, yeah, just to kind of put a little button on this category of things, if somebody else similar to me and really resonating with the galactic language activation, what is a potential first step? Because I know in your healing repertoire, this is one thing that you offer, but like if somebody in your offering of this, can someone learn how to open up these gateways themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, I learned through Grandmaster Lee Tien, the Galactic Language Activation. So and he was like, yeah, I got to bring you to China. Like, so you can do this in China. I'm not going to believe this. And then so I always prefer people to him, but he's sort of hard to find right now. So that's why I sort of tapped in. I think an easy way is just to really like tap into oneself at the root. Like what I do when I open up these workshops, I have people listen to the, the furthest away sound, the sound the furthest away. Like what can you hear the furthest away? And again, that opens up the field. And then the most deepest sound inside of you. And like, don't stop, don't stop. Listen further, further, further. And then so that opens up the field, this expansiveness of yourself. Like not like what you are, but to the who you are place, right? And then from there, that's a good place to start. And then just freely sound out from there. And like, what are you actually feeling and not judging it? It really helps when you're someone because then I can really, really go deep into that. But I think that's a first place to start for sure. And a lot of it's just the transmission of it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just pinging into. I didn't know if in your closing practice, if any of this is going to come through or if you'd be open right now to just sharing a few more seconds of it to just receive a transmission. Yeah, so, you know, just trying to open up the Tian Gong satellite, giving thanks to Grandmaster Li Tian, Li Ping, and just sharing a little galactic language activation and galactic language. 
So the edifications for the soul. Yeah, just say the souls be at peace and receive more of the who they are. And I think there I was just saying it was really diffused to just all the listeners, but it, you know, it's levels it can go and for sure. <laughs> yeah, like infinite levels. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so great, though. I, like my soul was super happy to be in that field again and to hear that. So thank you for opening it up for us a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Well, I could I mean, I for real could talk to you for like two decades nonstop. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface, but I also want to be respectful of your time. And I know you're leaving the country soon and all of that. So I'm just scanning through while... Before we get to the closing ceremony practice, I just want to see... Oh, I was curious. This is just kind of light, but not light. I was like, okay, if Ashel got sent to a deserted island and he could only have four shamanic or mystical tools, like what would be the four he would bring? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really... I know it's tough. I mean, if I have my voice, then that would be... That's the tool. I mean, I would have that. Does that mean I have still have four more? Oh, now you're tossing a good question back on me. Uh, yeah, I think you saw four more. Okay, so we're talking about those tools. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would have my Omitama. So that's a tool like for like the divine light. I feel like that's really crucial. And then my Ngoni. Yeah, my Ngoni is like definitely a shamanic tool. There you go. It's like it's really, yeah. That's from Africa, right? Is that the origin? Africa, it's in West Africa. And then they call it the hunter's heart, but it's a lot of, it's very, it goes straight to the stars, but it has the gore. So it has a masculine and feminine principle. So it's very about creation and creativity. And very connected to the stars. And, you know, the griot, the different, you know, the, the people use it for communication, communication to the hunt before they hunt, things like that. So that one, it's kind of like all I need. But I mean, you can then just only have that. I feel like I use like like an Agora Florida a lot for clearing. I know that's a, I mean I use tobacco a lot too. Like tobacco is really cool. I mean you're <laughs> just you're just now to four. You those are four right there. So. That's four, yeah. So it's so many different ones I could use. Yeah. I know. I know it'd be a little tough, but I still wanted to ask. I just I was thinking know. about my Kayanite and I have this onk and this like really grounding that I use for it's really fun. 
What do you use the Ankh for? What's one example? The Ankh is really like, it's again, it's an imprint for remembrance, almost in the same way that you use like voodoo dolls. So like it's the Ankh. So it's like I place it. It's very grounded. It's also very kind of masculine, this particular one I have. And then so I just place it when I want, after a soul retrieval or something like that, place it on it so that they remember the physicality and to ground it. And it's also protection. So it's like, like right there with the core, like doosh, it just feels that. A lot of things is sort of what it looks like or what it feels like and what it's just listening to it is what it does. So it's the imaginal, like childlike realm of vision that also opens up a lot of times. And some synonymous with like shamanic vision. So you sort of level of trust that you have. So I'm like, oh, that unk, like boom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I had an Egyptian ankh for a long time and I forget what it was when I was still living in Brooklyn and on my own. And uh, yeah, yeah, I know you had some, we didn't even get to that part, but I, I love that story, how Brooklyn, when you started sharing and creating your music, they were like, nah, this is some Cali stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. they like need to go to Cali with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny that you had a stint in Brooklyn. Yeah. I was there for a long time, like 14, 15 years, had my spiritual awakening there and all sorts of stuff. But uh, Mm. yeah, at one point, I forget what I was encountering in life, but it was something initiatory. And that day that Ankh broke and I knew I was like, okay, it led me to this place. And now my time with that Ankh is done. Mm. Yeah, I've had really powerful experiences with one too. So, oh my gosh. Well, it's so hard for me to wrap this interview up, but I hope that we can stay in touch. I know you're going to Brazil for a long time, but my intention and prayer that I bring you back to Austin to continue to converse with you and learn from you. Yeah, in the fall, let's let's set something up. Okay, that would be amazing. Okay, so folks, we didn't even really start the conversation with Ashel on the musicality and all the instruments he plays, but you are going to be graced with some of these talents for his closing ceremony practice, even though we didn't converse about it, you'll receive the conversation through him actually playing. So I'll let you take it from here. And if you have any advice, if people should, if it matters, if they sit up, lay down, any of that good stuff. Yeah. What do you think a good intention is for this? Mm. (laughs) (sighs) Let me tune in. A good intention for Ashel playing. Remind me the name of this instrument. Yangoni. Yangoni. Oh, I mean, there's something that's going on, been going on for a long time with me about allowing people to reconnect with Africa and the motherland. And I don't know if that resonates with you in some capacity, but just taking it back to origin seed source, you know? Okay. Does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to do something. Let's see what we got here. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up and do the purification. Because I said I would do that, that uh, Sukimani Kari real quick. And then let me know how much time I have, too. So. Uh, how much time do you feel you will want for this? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Goku biji so gingin shikai sakamani kumu tamai moe de masu Gumurugi kumurumi no michi karamachi te 
あれ、ひどのこもさちもろもろのさかごとつまひのすすみひがりよばまいかりもてあれひきよめみそぎつまいてきみりくろくのちからじみげうせつまいともうつことのよしよかしきみかしみもまつにょやもろすまいかりよみ
Mali, Senegal, you know, Dogan. Mm. Yeah. Kemet, you know, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Yes, ancient ones. Yeah, the ancestry of oneness and origin seed. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, so nourishing. Thank you. I miss miss hearing that. And uh, the second you started playing, I was like right back in that ceremony land. It was so good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, thank you with all of my heart. Like, thank you so much for being so generous with your storytelling medicine and the wisdoms you've gained and just offering even just a glimmer of a glimpse into some of the infinite pathways that people can say yes to and and lean into with courage with if they resonate. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much, Ashel. Yes, thank you so much for having this platform and creating it and having me be part of it. Thank you. So welcome. And I will include your website in the show notes. And of course, in the Instagram post, because I have a feeling you're going to have some folks reaching out to you. Can we wrap up with you sharing if there's a preferred way that people connect with you? And if you have any offerings coming up, whether that be the opportunity to book a one-on-one session with you of some sort, or if you have any ceremonies. Yeah, like, depending on when you put this out, I mean, I'm going to be around until the 14th of July. So It'll be after that. So then I'll be in, I'll be in Brazil. If folks are in Brazil, I can do like one-on-ones, but I can do stuff overline, so online too. So basically, I mean, Instagram at Seasons is a good way, or then com A-S-H-E-L-S-E-A-S-U-N-Z dot com or at Ashell Seasons Instagram are seemingly the best ways to reach out right now. Send me an email. Cool. Yeah. 
Amazing. Well, I'm so glad to have reconnected with you this lifetime. And yeah, just thank you again. I had so much fun with you today on Ceremony Circle and to the Soul Fam who sat around the fire with us. Thank you for weaving and co-creating as always. Thank you for your presence and for your listening. And we will sit with you again next time. Uh Uh-huh. Aho. Aho. Woo-wee, what a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.